Okay, so this is the final module for the amino acids and proteins chapter or season one of this podcast series. It's titled Structure and Function of Globular Proteins. Before I begin, um, this information is going to seem kind of random. Um, and don't worry about that because this is, uh, for those of you who have ho- followed the Khan Academy modules, you know that he always throws in a an article of sorts at the end with random information just for review. And that's what this episode is going to be because after this, we will be done with amino acids and proteins. Um, so I'm just going to be listing these notes and you should just be familiar with them. Don't worry that they seem kind of in- incomprehensive uh, or random, as I said. So let me begin. Uh, the purpose of a gene first is to tell a cell two things: what amino acid should be selected when we're building uh, when we're building a protein. So which ones are we going to use? And number two, in which order? So uh, being you know using glycine versus histidine, and where should the histidine or where should the glycine be placed? So again, what amino acid should be you know grabbed by the tRNA, and how the how they should be arranged? How the ribosome should you know arrange them sequentially to make a specific protein. Recall from the previous module um, uh, or a previous module that a protein's native conformation is the protein's complex 3D shape. And that is really the active form of the protein. Um, Native conformation occurs following formation of peptide bonds or the protein's primary structure and folding of protein. So uh, uh, secondary to quaternary all involve folding of a protein to its 3d structure so in other words native conformation is achieved when a protein has uh, formed all four of its uh, uh, levels of organization organization primary to quaternary um now um he gives an example of native conformation but i'm not going to really share it because i don't waste time uh but just remember that a native conformation is a, a native a protein in its native conformation is ready to work. It's ready to do whatever task it is what it exists to do. Uh, therefore, denatured proteins are proteins that have lost their native conformation. So we can define denaturiz- denaturation, denaturization as um, you know the breaking of a protein. That's kind of really a subpart definition. A uh, better definition is the unfolding of a protein or the deactivation of a protein. We can further refine this definition to denatured proteins are those that have lost their native or proper conformation. Okay, um, so I'm going to quickly review the degrees of native conformation. Um, um, so the primary, uh, primary is the amino acid sequence held together by peptide bonds. Secondary is the 3D organization of backbone interactions, uh, which form coils. So alpha helices and zigzags, beta sheets are called that. Zigzags can be parallel or anti-parallel. Tertiary is the 3D organization of all atoms of a single protein, including the side chains. And quaternary is the 3D organization of all atoms in a multiple subunit protein. Various proteins may have different concentrations of alpha helices or beta sheets, or may have racemic mixtures, so they have equal con- uh, or near equal concentrations of these helices and sheets. Um, it's just worth noting that um, the formation of primary is the peptide bond forms as a result of attractions between N and C terminals of separate H amino acids. Secondary is the attraction between the backbone, so the in- backbone interactions via hydrogen bonds. Tertiary is interactions between the R groups. Um, I can throw in my better definition of distant interactions versus uh, in, uh, uh, in contrast with localized interactions of the secondary structure, uh, tertiary involves the distant interactions. So parts of the peptide of a single peptide or a polypeptide that are very far away from each other attract each other, causing the, uh, the polymer to essentially fold. And that's tertiary structure. Recall that tertiary structure involves hydrogen bonding, van der Waals interactions, 
um, hydrophobic packing and the disulfide bridge formation. Um, why do globular proteins form? This is all about um, essentially maximize, or, uh, maximizing compression of a protein. That, that's what a globular protein is. Um, so physics tells us that the universe rearranges itself to maximize uh, free movement at a molecular level, specifically with, high, uh, with H2O, but really with other molecules as well. This is just a derivative of the law of thermodynamics. Um, and, and I know that was just complicated what I just said, but this is the main idea. Why do globular proteins form? Because compressing proteins to their tertiary and quaternary structures maximizes this, this free movement. In other words, let me translate, the universe likes for molecules to have free movement. The way to, ha the way to maximize the amount of free movement various molecules such as water can do is we compress that protein into its tertiary and quaternary structure. Because if a protein was left in its primary structure, it would be a very long strand, okay? When you, when you form the secondary level, you compress it a little. When you form the tertiary structure, you comp compress it a lot. And when you, um, when you form the quaternary structure, you take multiple proteins and compress them all into one unit. So really, when you go up the organization levels, you're really compressing the protein. And when you compress the protein, that allows for free movement of other random molecules, which the universe likes. That's why globular proteins form, and that's why proteins essentially opt for their tertiary and or, and or quaternary structures because of that compression level. Um, there are many diseases that arise from errors in protein structure. For example, sickle cell anemia. Uh, recall that hemoglobin is responsible for the transfer transportation of oxygen. Uh, however, a genetic mutation alters the hemoglobin's shape. Um, and so hemoglobin aggregates to useless clumps. Number two is fatal familial sleeping sickness. And is, this is essentially deadly insomnia. This is also arises from a, uh, an error in protein structure, specifically the malformation of the major prion protein. So sickle cell anemia is an issue with hemoglobin and with the protein. And fatal familial sleeping sickness is an issue with the major prion protein. Um, it's worth noting that protein deformation can actually optimize that protein. In other words, deformation, uh, you know, breaking of a protein or unfolding denaturation, denaturation can actually be beneficial. For example, the concept of elevated erythrocyte count or elevated red, red blood cell count. Um, thought, this was thought to be um, EPO abuse. So patients would come in with, you know, elevated uh, red blood cells, a lot of red blood cells. Um, so this was thought to be EPO abuse, and EPO is a hormone that regulates that count. So people were, the, you know, physicians thought that the patients were abusing that hormone. They were taking EPO as a drug. Rather, the EPO receptor's shape was altered due to an error in, in protein organization or protein structure. The EPO receptor's shape was altered, which essentially made them sensitized to the presence of naturally occurring hormones. So essentially what I'm saying is, Sometimes errors in protein structure can be beneficial. In the case of the EPO receptor, where because of some, some genetic mutation or genetic error, whatever happened, the receptors were highly sensitized. So they don't activate in response to EPO only, um, or sorry, um, signaling molecules only, but multiple different types of hormones. Um, so essentially, the original receptors are activated in response to EPO, whereas they are now activated in response to any hormone. So the presence of any hormone can uh, cause an increase in erythrocyte uh, count instead of just EPO. 
Uh, finally, gene therapy um, is also uh, an example of protein deformation um, that optimizes that protein. And this is when we tell cells which amino acids to use to build a protein. So this is kind of more about genetic engineering. And that is the end of the amino acids and proteins module or chapter. Uh, thank you for listening.